Hey everybody, John Porteous from the Lovells Township Historical Society here, and you're listening to the Backcast Podcast. This week, Glenn Everly and I are joined by Rex Schlebaugh. I think you're going to like this one. We're going to switch it up a little bit, and uh, you're going to hear some fun stories. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Uh, we're going to time to turn the tables a little bit. Um, our uh, theme, uh, as you all know, is uh, uh, river guides and their stories. Well, we've had a lot of stories from river guides, and uh, today uh, we're going to have one of the sports, and that term comes from the early 1900s when uh, uh, guides called their clients sports. So today we have a sport, uh, Rex Schlebaugh, uh, who's a renowned trout fisherman and sport, has uh, uh, befriended and uh, used many, many guides on the Osable and Manistee River systems uh, and elsewhere, other parts of the country. But uh, Rex is with us today. Uh, Rex, welcome. Good to have you here. Glad to be here, uh, uh, Glenn and John. Nice to have you. And uh, we're going to have some fun with stories. Uh, we're going to learn a little bit more about Rex. Uh, uh, he's also quite a grouse hunter. Uh, he's also a member of uh, Big Creek Lodge, which is just south of Lovells, a, a great bunch of guys that uh, uh, enjoy hunting and fishing and, and uh, finer parts of life, uh, and have also done a great deal of work for restoration, helping out with uh, river restoration, and uh, they've all done their share. So, Rex, uh, we, we'd like to just uh, get started by uh, maybe you tell us a little bit about your background and how you, uh, how you got into fly fishing uh, Rex, I should say before we even get going, Rex is a, a lawyer. He's a uh, uh, chairman emeritus of uh, uh, Gossett Law Firm in, in uh, Detroit. Um, and uh, you, you retired, what, in 2011, was it? Uh, yeah, 2012. 2012, so okay. well done. Yep. So yep. He's, been, uh, he's been able to fish uh, just about every day uh, since he retired. <laughs> But, Rex, tell us yeah. a little bit about your background and how you got into uh, fishing. Well, uh, Glenn, uh, thank you. Uh, um, I, um, I, uh, trout fishing has been a passion of mine for, for a lot of years. Uh, uh, my uh, got started um, uh, in uh, when I was at the family cottage. My parents had a small cottage uh, just uh, west of uh, Remus, Michigan, which is... Mm. Uh, uh, just off of M66, and uh, uh, we had a cottage on School Section Lake. And uh, behind the cottage uh, uh, ran the east branch of the Little Muskegon River. And uh, so, uh, you know, as a young kid, uh, a couple buddies and I uh, uh, really... Uh, Sort of uh, waded up and down that stream, uh, started the usual way, uh, first hanging a nice big night crawler on a hook, uh-huh. and mm-hmm. and, uh, and then uh, you know uh, moving up to sort of throwing a maps, and then finally uh, uh, I had a family friend who uh, said, "Why don't you uh, why don't you try uh, fly fishing on the stream?" He was up with his uh, with. Uh, his wife and uh, I was using a fly rod on the dock uh, with a little popper on it uh, for bluegills, and uh, mm. so he got me uh, 
you know, motivated to uh, get a few flies and uh, go over to the stream and uh, and uh, try uh, try my hand. As many people start on a small stream, alder, you know, uh, tag alder uh, covered. Uh, uh, it's it's a humbling experience when you're first uh, learning how to do that. And uh, and I think I had uh, was able to put together about six flies, uh, and uh, I think I'd lost them all in, by the end of the second day of my uh, fly fishing <laughs> early experience. So uh, so that's how I got started on it, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, progressed uh, over the years, uh, uh, you know, uh, spent a lot of time on the Boardman River, uh, uh, and uh, that was because my uh, grandparents had a cottage on Fife Lake, which is just uh, south of Kalkaska, and uh, I'd always uh, spend a, you know, a week, 10 days with them, and uh, and uh, my grandfather would take me over to the Boardman, and uh, so so that was uh, that was sort of how I uh, matriculated, if you will. Uh, now, was your through, grandfather uh, also a fisherman? Uh, he was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... So um that sort of uh that sort of with what uh you know uh what got me started and uh I obviously uh really uh ended up enjoying it and uh and uh you know uh, over the years uh you know my uh, fly fishing cabinet has gotten bigger and bigger as as all of them do. <laughs> and I I would add that funny uh, how that works out. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. Rex, uh, Rex's wife is also uh, an excellent fisher person, Jan. Uh, and I will bet there's a few times, uh, Rex, where she might even have outfished you, hadn't she? Yeah, uh, actually, that's a very, very uh, sore subject in our household, Glenn. <laughs> Not only that she got into fly fishing, but that she often outfishes me, and uh, and. Uh, you know, once she got started, and I was happy to encourage her, and and uh, you know, if got her a nice one Christmas, a nice uh, new Orvis outfit, and so uh, you know, early in the new year after that, uh, I made my uh, call down to the guide shops to sort of book my Brown Drake and Hendrickson and Hex uh, dates, and uh, I had my array of favorite guides and and of course Mm -hmm. as she uh, learned she would go with me so she got to know these guides and I'd say I'd like uh, I'd like uh, this guide Uh, well I'm sorry Mr. Slayball your wife has him booked for that date Mm -hmm. and then I'd say what (laughs) yeah she she called uh, about a week ago and I said well how about two days from you know how about that no, she's got uh, Josh booked for that. <laughs> so, so that caused a little bit of uh, consternation, uh, you know, on my part, and a little tension in the over dinner uh, a couple nights. So, and I know she's a very good fisherman and uh, loves it too. So, that can that yeah. can make for some nice trips, and they've probably done some trips out west. We uh, we go out west. Uh, uh, pretty much every year, and uh, mm-hmm. although this year with the COVID situation, we uh, we did not go. 
mm-hmm. canceled. We had so. to cancel the trip out there also. That's really messed up fishing for other Yeah, folks yeah. It has, it has, yeah. So the Boardman was uh, a busy spot for you when you were a youngster. It was, and uh, we uh, we fished, uh, I fished the North Fork. I did a lot of camping up on the North Fork of the Boardman. Uh, it, was a, it was a wonderful brook trout stream um, mm-hmm. years and years ago, um, and uh, and of course, you know, they've been doing a lot of work uh, in removing some of the dams on the mm-hmm. on the, mm-hmm. on the Boardman over the last uh, couple of years. They just have one or two more, don't they, or one more? Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so. now you, you mentioned guides. Uh, uh, tell us about your first guided trip. When, when the first guide you used? Well, actually, the the first guide I used in in um, I was fortunate enough uh, to uh, join, uh, as you mentioned, Glenn uh, Big Creek Lodge in mm-hmm. 1982, and um, and. Um, it was a it was a real eye opening experience for me with the uh, the the gentlemen who were then members. I think there were six members then, and uh, uh, one of my law school buddies and I uh, were invited to join. And uh, so uh, we uh, you know got in for a year, fish Big Creek, and 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 uh, and all the time heard these great stories sitting around the fire at night mm-hmm. uh, with these guys about the wonderful brown drake and, and, and hex hatches on the Asable. So um, I uh, talked around, got some names, and ended up uh, ended up with the name of uh, Bob Smock. Uh, and so uh, he was the first person that took me uh, hex uh, fishing. And, uh, and uh, after that, uh, I, I understood and knew that Bob's real calling uh, was to run a sales department someplace. <laughs> because uh, I would I would worked in Detroit and uh, and uh, you know I, I was not very good at uh, at fishing drakes or or hex in the dark. Uh, and I would get a, uh, I'd get a call. Uh, my secretary would say, uh, "There's a Bob Smock on the line." And uh, I talked to Bob, and he said, "Unbelievable hatch last night! Unbelievable hatch! They just were covering the boat. They were from bank to bank. It's going to be absolutely awesome uh, tomorrow night. You need to get up here right away." And uh, and he'd go on and, and he'd sell this vision and he'd say you know it, it, he said he said the big ones are up he said we have to put rope on the leader because they're 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 so big <laughs> and sure enough I would I would leave work and uh, I'd drive up uh, Bob's enthusiasm and excitement you know sort of uh, got me and uh, and so you know we'd meet at. Six thirty, seven o'clock. By the time I could get up there from Detroit, and then uh, fish till two, and then I'd drive back home. And oh my God. Uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, and uh, this is and, a work uh, night. This is a work, work night. night. Work yeah, yeah, the work time. night. And uh, uh, and you know, a lot of times I left with Bob saying, "Geez, I'm really sorry. I guess you should have been here yesterday." <laughs> 
So he was my first guide. And, Bob Smock uh, was. I'll be darned. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and then from there, you know, at, at that time, Glenn, um, in the uh, early to mid '80s, I, it was sort of a transition period a little bit. Some of the old line guides mm-hmm. were getting up there, and you had a new generation of these younger guys that were starting to to uh, you know uh, pick up, uh, take their place. Um, Rob Woodland was another school teacher in uh, mm-hmm. in uh, Grayling, and uh, Rob uh, guided all all summer, and uh, and uh, so they're just a you know great bunch of guys that started coming online. And, and uh, now, did you get into any of the other the, those old time guides, the Stefans and the Madsons, any of those guys? Uh, um, uh, I I didn't I didn't. Uh, um, Mike Whalen is probably. Uh, uh, the closest to those, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerry Reagan, um, and um, they were uh, they were uh, wonderful people. In fact, uh, Mike, uh, I I tried getting Mike several times, and he he was always booked up, and finally got in with him, and uh, and um, um, he was the most unbelievable boat handler i i think i've i've ever fished with and uh really? yeah he had a he had a uh i had never seen you know i had fished by the time i got to mike you know a lot with a number of different guides and mike had a technique that i had not seen up until the time i floated with him and and he had a sort of a big beaver tail paddle and he would actually turn the Asabo riverboat around. So uh, he'd go below the fish and actually turn it around. So you're fishing oh. up to the fish. Oh, nice. And, uh, yeah, and he could hold that boat in uh, in the current. Uh, now, some of the, as you know, some of the Mac to Parm water is... is, is uh, or, or Connors Flats, it, it's mm-hmm. not a it's not a strenuous current, but there's still current there. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he would hold the boat there so you were fishing up to the boat by paddling. Um, He's paddling to by keep paddling. it in place. Paddling oh, to keep it in place with that big beaver tail paddle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And okay, now a lot of the younger younger guys, I mean, they're not so young anymore. I mean, they have they have adopted that uh, Mike Whalen technique and they'll go below the fish and then come come back up to it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I don't think So I've he would he would Yeah. And 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 uh he was a he was a unbelievable guy, you know. I I fished with him quite a bit. Um, you know, he was a great deer hunter, unbelievable skier, you know, cuz I think he coached mm-hmm. the Grayling ski team. Um I believe he did. Now, did he build boats also? I think he built some boats, yeah. I think he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but, but you know, I started out with Bob, and we had a we had a lot of a uh, lot of interesting times uh, over the years. Uh, let me just tell you one little little story. Uh, we were uh, we were I was going down with uh, one of my friends, and we were going. Uh, Mac to Parm and <clears throat> saw Bob's rig in the parking lot at uh, at McMaster's Bridge and and 
uh, I guess I had talked to Bob, uh, or, or uh, Jake had talked to Bob, and, and the his sport, using your term, Glenn, uh, was a person that we both knew. So we left a note on his car uh, uh, inside. Uh, if you get done early enough tonight, stop by uh, uh, Big Creek Lodge, and uh, and uh, we'll uh, we'll uh, have a toast. So about 2:30, the headlights show up, and uh, Bob and uh, his uh, sport uh, come in and get him a cocktail, sitting around the fire and started talking about the evening and uh and um we both agreed that it would had been a very slow evening a few fish very very tough though um and he said you know we only fished to three fish and uh and uh, uh you know uh, Jim here uh, uh had one strike out of those three and he got it and it was a heck of a battle I said really? And he said, "Yeah, I was up against a log, and uh, and he had to make a precise cast, and uh, he hooked it, and it just took off downstream, and actually got into his backing." And I said, "Really?" And he said, "Yeah." And uh, he said, "So we chased it, and finally got it back, and uh, you know, got got out of the backing, and got the line coming." And uh, he said, "It took us about." Literally, he said, everybody thinks they fight a fish a long time, but this actually took us probably 15 or 20 minutes to land this fish. And, of course, then we asked the question, well, how big is it? He said, well, it's probably 30, maybe 31. <laughs> and we did, our jaws just dropped. And uh, and said, well, how much do you think it weighs? Well, probably five and a half pounds, you know, maybe six pounds. Uh, Bob said, the biggest fish I've been you know part of taking out of the river and said unfortunately it died uh because it was just exhausted and uh and uh we're sort of starting to think this is a classic bob smock uh you know sales uh job and uh and uh he said um after he told us that it died he said let me just bring it in so you can see it and sure enough That's he walks in and throws throws in the sink, this 30-inch brown trout, and and it looked sort of funny. It didn't look like a river trout. Well, you know, the the story as Bob, you know, sort of told it, took about 15 minutes for him to get everything he wanted out and get the hook <laughs> sunk deeper in our in our lips. But at that time, he was sort of helping out at the uh, Grayling Fish Hatchery, and one of the big old spawners had uh, gone uh, belly up that afternoon when he was there. So he threw it in a cooler with some ice, not knowing what he was going to do with it, till he ran into us. Oh, perfect. Hey, John, so does that, that was sound the story. <laughs> John, it's does funny, Glenn. It, it's the story has a, a, a familiar ring to it. Um, um, yeah, did he tell? Did Bob tell that yeah. one? I, yeah. almost, You're doing almost great. Ex- Keep going. Almost exactly. <laughs> almost exactly <laughs> like you told it. Uh, that's yeah, yeah. Well, it was. Uh, it, he he had us hooked, line, and sinker for a while, and uh, uh, the the other thing I'll tell you one I'm certain he didn't tell you, but um, Joe Guile, who was one of uh, you know the senior guides at Gates now. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, I was on his first uh, commercial trip. He was 17 years old, 
and he was fishing with Bob. There were two of us, two boats, and Bob had somebody who had to cancel out, uh, another guide. And so he ended up getting 17-year-old, 18-year-old Joe Guile, who had never guided anybody. And uh, so, and, and, and Joe did a wonderful job of progressing and, and is a very knowledgeable fisherman, oh, yes. one of the best fishermen I've, I've, I've floated with, and he's, he's close friends, uh, he and his wife with us. And uh, mm-hmm. so, um, and, and, you know, early in Joe's career, he really did it upright. He, 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 he did it like the Western guides did. And so we're, we're doing, we're doing the, uh, Lower South Branch, uh, Smith down to Connors, and Bob shoving off uh, uh, just behind us a ways, and uh, and so we had a nice chat at the landing before we all got going, and we stopped about six thirty, seven o'clock, and Joe gets out a little table with a red checkered uh, uh, tablecloth. He gets out a bottle of red wine. He's got a couple steaks that he's been marinating, gets his grill fired up, and uh, I'm having a cigar and a glass of wine as he's doing the prep. It just That was the way he approached his job. And uh, so uh, uh, before we uh, actually sat down to eat, Joe took the steaks off. All of a sudden, coming around a bend upstream of us, there's a guy that keeps looking out, keeps looking out getting closer and closer and it's Bob Smock and so he walks down about you know gets about 10 yards he looks at the table the tablecloth the bottle of red wine two steaks on the grill and he just starts shaking his head and he says Joe Joe you're going to ruin it for all of us because what Bob would what Bob would do is ask you what kind of Subway sandwich you wanted. Yep. <laughs> Great story. Yeah. Great. We we also had yep. Joe as a uh, as one of our guides. Uh, he did a podcast with us, John, didn't he? And uh, absolutely. He, yeah, he he was very good. And and one of the stories he said he said the most amazing experience he had Rex was uh, guiding a fellow that was blind. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. He ever told you that story? That, um, yeah, but there yeah. was a fellow who loved to fish, but he lost his eyesight, and um, he was really wanted to go fishing. And, and he talked to Joe, and he said, "You know, I know my situation, and it may be impossible, but I'd really just like to get in a boat and go down the river, and and maybe you can tell me or you know, cast at one o'clock or two or you know three or whatever." Yeah. And uh, he said he did it, and it was one of his most uh, unusual and uh, rewarding trips, and I thought that was quite a good story. And a man actually yeah. caught Yeah, but yeah, Joey, yeah, yeah. he's a great... He's also a grouse hunter, he's, Rex. He's a big grouse hunter. We hunt We hunt a, hunt a lot, and uh, and uh, so he's, uh, you know, he's into everything outdoors, so uh, it's... Uh, there is. Um, uh, I'll tell you, there's another, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to use the fellow's name, but uh, here... Uh, but uh, um, the uh, you, you want to talk about a funny uh, funny situation? It was, it was one of our members, uh, uh, Bill Demmer, who you know, Glenn, very well, and uh, uh, he um, he got a guide, and uh, and the guy guy is not as active as a Joe Guile or a, or a, 
or uh, you know uh, uh, Ron Ricolzi, uh, but but he did a fair amount of guiding, and so. Um, uh, he, Bill asked the guy. He said, what do, you, "What do you enjoy to drink?" He said, "I." He said, uh, and, I, "And I think they were doing sort of an August uh, sort of terrestrial float." He said, "Well, I, I like good beer." So, Bill, um, <laughs> Bill brought. Uh, he, he said twelve beers, and uh, uh, and uh, when he got there, he said, uh, he said the guide had brought twelve beers, and so. Uh, so he said it was one of those hot August days, uh, sun beating down, and uh, and uh, uh, he said he just uh, kept noticing the pile of the uh, empty beer cans that were, you know, banging around in the rear of the of the longboat, and uh, and he said the next thing that he knows, uh, the guy gets taken out of the uh, uh, back of the boat by a sweeper, and he's heading down the south branch. Uh, uh, <laughs> Well, 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 well. His guide is hanging on to the sweeper about 50 yards upstream of him. So, so that 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 was a great story that Bill had uh, with his guide. And he said he said he pulled the boat over. The guy uh, sort of floated down to him, got in the boat, and said we caught fish. There we go. <laughs> Wonderful story. Yeah. A few too many yeah. beers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those uh, short dinners are are fun. I bet you, I bet you have had some good ones, haven't you? We've had some great ones, and uh, and um, um, you know, uh, back uh, in the old days, uh, what the Big Creek members used to do is the caretaker. They used to mm-hmm. meet them at a spot, and they'd bring the dinner out from Big Creek mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. for the for the guides and 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 and, and the sports. And so the, all the boats, you know, maybe three boats would all meet at the same spot, and they'd be able to someplace that they knew somebody, so they could drive down, and so they would come out and and serve dinner, and uh, and then they'd finish now, finish the float. Who, so, who was uh, the caretaker at Big Creek Lodge who served the lamb stew? Uh, I think that was uh, Dolores Johnson. Uh, okay, that uh, that sounds right. That sounds right. Apparently, yeah. there was. Famous lamb stew that everybody really loved yeah. for a, a short, yeah, short, yeah. Yeah, yeah. short lunch, and they would they would bring out uh, you know, and everybody'd have a cocktail and all of that. You know, um, the uh, the other uh, the other story, and I'll I'll sort of this sort of on me a little bit, but uh, uh, Bob and I are floating a doing a late July August uh, float and. Uh, uh, on the Mason track, and uh, it was a windy, windy day, about 86, 87, and, uh, and you could hardly, you know, uh, cast a fly. And so Bob uh, has never turned down a cold beer. Actually, I don't think he's ever turned down a warm beer. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, and he had, and and so he said, would you like a beer, cold beer? I said, no, I don't drink while I'm fishing, and uh, but I uh, certainly have one when we're all done. So, <laughs> so uh, uh, there was one beer left, I think, and I put a uh, number uh, ten um, grasshopper hook in the, his back, and box uh, back, and, okay. Uh, and on his back, on his back, and uh, so we pulled over. I was 
really apologetic to Bob. And uh, I said, well, we, what do you want to do? You want me to just cut it uh, off and we can, you know, go to the hospital when you get in? Bob said, no, no, no. Let's just, you know, I got some pliers. Just push it through and then we'll cut off, uh, you know, the barb and pull it out. And um, I said, but we probably should sterilize it. Do you have anything? Do you have a medical kit or anything, Bob, with any alcohol? No, I don't. I don't. So I said, well, we got one beer left, don't we? And he said, oh, don't waste a beer on me. He said, that, that, that's, that's to be down the throat, not on a, not on a, you know, not on a wound. So, uh, so that, that was funny, uh, funny stories for, for Bob. He was not going to waste a cold beer. He, he didn't tell that one, I don't think, John, did he? No, no, that's a good one. <laughs> like that's a good one. Yeah, that's yeah. a good. Don't waste the beer on me. <laughs> uh, yeah, good yeah. So you know, th- these guides are a tremendous uh, asset to the area, and they're all passionate about the resource. And uh, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I love to love to spend time with them. So great to spend time in the river. You bet. And th- and they have some wonderful stories. Uh, and now, what about flies? Uh, some of these uh, guys. I mean, when Bob Smock talked to us. Uh, he said his favorite fly was the yarn fly and uh, yarn know, body. Yep, yarn mm-hmm. body fly. Yep, the old Jerry yep. McLean uh, fly. And uh, right. he used that very heavily. Did have you use that with him and had some success? Oh yeah, yeah. I I um, I don't think that I've uh, uh, I've fished with Bob an awful lot, and uh, I think he starts and ends with a yarn body and. Uh, um, uh, he loves that, and and I know a number of people that uh, that uh, swear by that uh, fly, and you know, and it has sort of an extended body, thorax. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's the way the yarn is uh, brought back around, and uh, yeah, it, it's it it's a wonderful fly. I've had a lot of success with that fly, and uh, like a little egg sack at the end, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, you know they all they all have their favorite flies and uh, and uh, uh, one of the one of the early guys that I mentioned uh, Rod Rob Woodland he uh, his go-to fly particularly on the South Branch was a I think he called it the barber pole Madsen barber pole yeah yeah and uh, and then you know I still have some guys that swear by the old skunk. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Asapo skunk, and uh, yes. so uh, it's it's become a real art form. Uh, I think particularly with the use of synthetics now in the fly tying. So uh, uh, I think Jerry Reagan is an expert on all those old flies, and he still ties them, and uh, they, yeah. they're all pretty effective. I've heard guys talk about using borsers out west, uh, Rex, yeah. and they're extremely successful. And of course, yeah, the Robert yeah. Drake. I've actually sent Robert Drake's to a, a guy in England who took me on the Dove one time, and and he he wrote me a nice note and said he'd they have a a, a hatch in the spring, and it, I don't I figure what they call it, but uh, he wasn't doing very well, and and all he just put yeah. put a Robert Drake on, and he said he got his uh, he limited out, and he just was delighted with that uh, good old Clarence Robert Drake, and they yeah. catch yeah. anywhere. Yeah, a lot well, of I think. Yeah, I think Glenn, weren't you over uh, 
Uh, we had a dinner at Big Creek for some of the guides that we used. I don't know, six of them were there with their wives uh, one night. And uh, and uh, uh, what we had done, we were so uh, we wanted to get back at them because you know when you're when you're fishing in the middle of the night for hex or drakes or or uh, you know you're mousing. Uh, they'll say, "All right, you gotta, you gotta put it right up there within an inch. There's a log over there. You gotta put it within an inch of that log, because you can't <laughs> see <fun>. anything." <laughs> and so uh, we had uh, we had uh, these guides out, and their wives one night to grill some steaks at uh, at Big Creek. And so what we did is we uh, created a contest for the guides. Uh, oh, I, had a, I was not well, there. I think but you I, were there. I think you were there. I, I think, was? Yeah, you and Martha were there, yeah. And okay. uh, and uh, we oh, put I them think... in a chair, oh, we blindfolded them, and then we had a hula hoop. Oh, by and God. So I... we'd... Do you remember that? We put I... them, we'd put them under a tree, a branch that had the sidearm cast, and so yeah. we had... We had we had, I think, four different stations that all six of them had to go through, and, and we had a small, small hula hoop, and then a little bigger one. So there were like three rings, and we had uh-huh. points for each ring, and yeah, uh, we had a little, little bit of a cash prize. And do you remember who won? Uh, he was the only old timer that was there. He and his wife. Golly, I, I thought Joe Guile did pretty well. Yeah, Mike Whalen won. Whalen, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, he yeah. won, he won, and uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, but it was our way of getting back uh, at them for putting us in these precarious casting situations, and we sort of wanted to see how they would do when they were challenged. If I recall, they they weren't real excited about doing that right away when they when you look <laughs> for them. You know, right? they're saying, "Uh oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute, what do I got to do now?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. John eyes at Big Creek Lodge just have one heck of a good time. They all love each other, and they're just a great bunch of guys. And that's a special, special place. It special. sounds like a very special place. And they've all done their part for conservation. And and uh, Rex, that gets us to speaking of conservation. Uh, Rex uh, was a member for a number of years of uh, of the uh, Michigan uh, Natural Resource Commission. And I believe you were appointed by Governor Snyder back in 2012, was it? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, I spent a uh, little over eight years because at the end of this year, uh, 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 the governor uh, uh, asked me to stay on for a couple months as chair because they had some issues uh, in, in some of the appointments they wanted to make. So. So I told him I'd do two months, and uh, but I uh, that was it, and uh, so yeah, so I spent a lot of years there. Oh, you sure did. And tell everybody how many emails you would get average on a day. Well, depends on the issue, but they would come in, uh, and uh, you know, I uh, for the last four years I had the privilege of, of serving as chair of the Wildlife and Fisheries Committee, where all of the regulations uh, start and uh, are developed. And uh, so, uh, you know, if we were dealing with chumming, uh, you know, I would hear from the steelheaders that like to chum. If we were 
doing a study on sandhill cranes, I would uh, I would be besieged by calls and emails, and uh, and uh, um, I uh, I was speaking to a group once, uh, and I said, you know, one of the things I've noticed uh, uh, and has reaffirmed certainly my belief is that uh, our uh, our uh, men and women who love the outdoors and love our uh, great water systems, and that they are passionate, whether they're a hunter or a fisherman. Uh, you know, They may have a specific game species or a specific fish that they target, but they are passionate and want to express their views. And I said, I am happy to talk to anybody. Uh, I said, I'd just appreciate it if you'd call before 9.30, though. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. sometimes the phone would ring at you know quarter to eleven, and uh, and uh, and uh, all too often, uh, you know, that were, would happen. They were probably never short calls either. No, and they're never short calls. They're never so short per, calls. Perhaps a bit too passionate sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, people are passionate about their about their resources, and uh, and um, and uh, of course, we are all amateur biologists. Um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. um, you know, people people have a theory. Uh, you know, somebody that's hunted deer for forty years uh, and isn't seeing the deer has a theory. And you know, they've got forty years of experience. So what they might say, you know, may very well uh, have a lot of truth to it. Uh, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Uh, Rex, would so, you take just share with uh, with our listeners the uh, uh, the uh, uh, actually objectives of the uh, Resource Commission, the goals and objectives, and, and what your really responsibilities are. Yeah, well, then uh, um, we 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 really uh, only have legal authority over hunting and fishing regulations. Uh, while in the DNR there are parks, uh, forests, uh, harbors. Uh, um, uh, our, our legal authority under the Scientific Management Act basically allows us to uh, have the exclusive authority to set season limits, bag limits, and the means by which you hunt or fish. And mm-hmm. so uh, for everything else, we are advisory uh, to the director. So, um, um, uh, you know, we can, we can provide our input but uh, the director does not need to take that, uh, you know, uh, input. Uh, he or she can can make the decision. Uh, um, so our, our primary and important responsibility is to manage uh, uh, through our regulation and our regulation cycles uh, and change regulations as appropriate uh, for the way that we. Uh, Hunt and the way that we fish, and uh, and uh, the means by which we do that, which really is like uh, uh, gear restrictions on certain streams, uh, you know, season opening and closing dates, uh, um, you know, bag limits, uh, uh, those types of things, and and you know, the the Scientific Management Act basically uh, requires us to use. Uh, uh, science-based decision-making. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I did find is that, 
you know, uh, oftentimes the science is is not uh, definitive and is not clear. And uh, so then, you know, we're relying on the best views of our biologists and uh, research that might be out there from other states to try to make decisions. So. Yeah, you had quite a uh, uh, quite an issue with the brook trout in the UP uh, relative to using science, and and uh, I think there we was did on that one. Yeah. That was kind of a, a sticky one, wasn't it? It was very very sticky, uh, um, uh, and um, um, you know, uh, people again are passionate, um, uh, and um, our our scientists believe that uh, based on some studies that they did over four years uh, on some test streams up there, that there's a reasonable possibility that, uh, you know, a 10, uh, 10 uh, brook trout bag limit would have adverse consequences on the population, both in terms of number and size. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, uh, you know, a lot of the people from the UP were... Uh, didn't believe that to be the case, and so we had quite a quite a go around on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of like baiting and feeding of deer. Oh so, boy! And the whole issue with uh, with uh, disease in deer. My gosh! That's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, so those are tough issues, and uh, and uh, uh, you know everybody is interested in the resource. Uh, uh, you hope mm-hmm. and. Uh, and uh, there's there's sometimes there isn't necessarily a clear uh, definitive solution. Uh, so so I understand why people sometimes disagree with directionally uh, where where we go. So politics but, is, is yeah. part of it, isn't it? That's yeah. You, you hate to think of politics in uh, in resource management, but I'm sure it's there. Well, I think uh, I think you know you, you, our, our professionals and people that you know go to work every day in that area are uh, are uh, you know view themselves as uh, as working for the resource and uh, and and on top of that they've got a constituency uh, you know we have six hundred and twenty five thousand deer hunters uh, and they have views and uh, and uh, uh, one of the things that's important is that uh, the decision-making process leads to uh, the users of the resource uh, having confidence in the decision. Uh, so, uh, so that means that we need to go through a very thoughtful, thorough process and then tell people how we made the decision. Uh, they may not agree with it, but at least we want them to have confidence that we 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 made the best decision on the best resource on the best information we had before us. And uh, so, that's not always easy, I'm sure. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, exactly. I, I always think sometimes uh, forget about the hunter, forget about the fisherman, just do what's right for the resource. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah. that's got to be difficult if you're doing something that uh, six hundred thousand guys don't agree with <laughs> well there's also not 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 a lot of people really understand the uh the financial aspects of of the dnr you know while we have 
DNR has gotten some general fund money over the last few years. Uh, a lot of it went into adding new COs, uh, which uh, which I think was a very positive result. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of lot of the funding, and I can't remember. I don't know what percentage it is uh, this year. Uh, comes from uh, basically user fees, mm-hmm. hunting license fees, Pittman Robinson monies, Dingle Johnson. That's all money that's being spent by the hunters or the fishermen. So, um, so they are important because if they don't spend the money to buy a license or buy shotgun shells or buy a new gun or buy a bow, uh, the amount of money that we have at the DNR gets reduced. Mm-hmm. And with reduced money, we can't we can't do everything that we want to do for the resource. And aren't we getting some money from the federal government uh, based on licenses also? Yeah, that's that's uh, that's uh, the uh, Pittman Robinson money Robinson. that I referred yeah. to. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then on the fishing side, boating, it's uh, Dingle Johnson, same mm-hmm. same sort mm-hmm. of uh, uh, revenue sharing that the feds kick back to the states based on the number of licenses or the number of boat sales or motor sales that they they have, fishing rod equipment sales. So. Well, I, I remember writing. Uh, uh, my congressman one time about uh, licenses saying that uh, you people ought to uh, triple them for fishing and hunting and why the hell as a retired guy get a break we can hunt and fish all day long uh, yeah poor exactly. guys yeah guys that have to work can't do it so uh, retired people ought to pay uh, three or four times what the regular guys do well they didn't like that idea <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I could tell you where that one was going. <laughs> well, hey Rex, let, along yeah. those lines, I'm, I'm kind of curious. You know, we, we're hearing these trends uh, that licensure is is decreasing and and has been kind of on a a, a down tilt for a while, owing to so, some of the younger generation just not going out into the field or onto the stream. What is the is there a strategy that uh, that you guys employed there or a goal yeah. if you would to, to try to bring more younger demographic into the field? Um, uh, yeah, good good question. Um, we have been looking at um, you know that issue. Every meeting we had since I, when I was on the commission, so it was an important issue. Um, the DNR has a marketing division, uh, but I would say, you know, it is marketing. Uh, it is not sales oriented, and mm-hmm. by that I mean it markets the heck out of our uh, natural resources in Michigan. Um, um, and what we've, what the DNR has done is try to partner with various organizations uh, to do things that would uh, uh, sort of uh, bring uh, or attempt to bring uh, uh, people into the sport, whether it's fishing or hunting or target shooting. Uh, and uh, so, you know, you have your TU chapters that, you know, have youth fishing day, you know, learn to fly fish. Uh, you have, 
you know, rough grouse, uh, pheasants forever, turkey hunters that will do, you know, events to bring kids in. And, uh, and uh, so, so they're the ones, those are the types of organizations that actually are the boots on the ground. Gotcha. And, and, and hopefully, you know, the DNR provides the framework by, you know, pointing out the opportunities that exist that gets people excited and then sort of looks to one of these organizations to help them, you know, really learn how to do that. So, but, nice. uh, but it's a big challenge. Uh, you know, uh, we had some studies done a few years ago and, uh, and, uh, you know, our, our, we're all old enough to know that we used to have over a million deer hunters in Michigan, you know, right. not too long ago. We're down to 625,000, and the projection is that just because of the demographics, uh, that uh, we're going to be down in another, uh, you know, 20, 25 years. Uh, you know, we're going to cut that in half again. So, uh, and that has uh, that has profound implications uh, because obviously, happening? with fishing, fishing is sort of holding its own. Is it okay? Um, That's yeah, fishing is holding its own. I had an opportunity uh, yesterday to go down to the uh, 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 Kircher Reserve on the Boyne uh, River and uh, and fish, um, and uh, they've got an unbelievable, you know, mile of Boyne, the uh, Boyne River that they've uh, that they manage and uh, and. Um, uh, I was talking to their uh, uh, head of uh, their uh, fishing operations, uh, who I fished with, and uh, uh, he said the the fly fishing industry is just having uh, a, a tremendous year, and it has been for the last year and a half, uh, just uh, going up. Lots of women entering the sport, and uh, and uh, so. Uh, so fishing, uh, fishing. Last time I saw the data, we still get ex commissioners. They still send us the the data. Uh, fishing is sort of holding its own. So. That's good news, Rex. I was worried about that. Yeah. We we had a wonderful uh, meeting with uh, Dan Eichinger, uh, and I think you yep. you helped understand a little bit about him. Uh, he came up to uh, visit with uh, some anglers guys and Mason Griffith right. team, and I represented the North Branch Area Foundation and. And he spent a whole day with us looking at what we were doing on the river uh, relative to restoration projects, and we shared with him some of the frustrations we have in, in working with some of the organizations today, uh, government organizations, in trying to get things done. And, and it was very refreshing to, uh, to hear his views and, and hear his commitment to, uh, to the resource and, uh, and the commitment to the, uh, to, to the people that work for him, you know, the, the support yeah. he's given. Uh, it was a yeah. it was a wonderful day all around for us, and it was uh, we were very impressed with him and and his whole, whole approach, and and uh, he, he yeah. listened, asked some questions, and uh, he was uh, most very very involved in what we were doing, and and uh, it was it was a great day for all of us to to see what we got uh, heading up the DNR right now. So yeah. that was great, and thanks for your advice on him. He, you were right on. Yeah, well, it, it it'll Dan is a is a great outdoorsman. You know, his father was a longtime head of the uh, National RGS, mm-hmm, uh, Rough mm-hmm. Grouse Society, and um, so he he's he's from a hunting uh, 
from hunting stock, let's say. So, uh, and and he he loves the fish. And uh, the challenge is going to be funding. The challenge is going to be funding because, uh, uh, you know, like every organization, a little bit, particularly some government, and the DNR is, you know, you know, prime example is there's there's more to do, but less to do it with. So, uh, uh, and 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 that you know nationwide uh, 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 the uh, natural resource departments are are which which were built and developed on the model we earlier talked about in terms of sort of user pays uh, mm-hmm. um, um, you know they're, they're they're talking about other funding models that uh, that uh, uh, are more sustainable and predictable than than uh, what we have right now. Yeah. Well, I just wish they would let the DNR come out with a lottery. Because you go to a bar and people are buying lottery tickets like crazy. Oh, there you and go. They'll bitch yeah. like that yeah. about spending, uh, 30 bucks for a license that's good for a whole year. And uh, they'll, spend, uh, they'll spend that much a week on lottery tickets. And I think if the DNR yeah. could come out with their own lottery, uh, you don't have to worry about funding for the rest of the, the at least, yeah. Yeah, the next yeah, 50 exactly. Years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, I I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed the eight plus years that I spent. Uh, they're, they're dedicated people for the most part. They have the resource, uh, uh, you know, at heart. Uh, they 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 work hard and uh, and uh, you know I, I enjoyed it, but I'm 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 glad to be retired from it. I'll bet you. So. <laughs> yeah. Now you're going to get a little grouse hunting in this fall, Rex. I am. I am. How's your? Uh, how's uh, uh, Lucy? My uh, one point eight million dollar setter. She's yeah. she's uh, going to go scouting with me tomorrow morning. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. cool up here now. Well, we're in levels, and it's uh, right. it was uh, forty degrees this morning, and she can't hear anymore, Rex. But by God, she still has some go in her, and uh, we're going to go see if we can find some birds tomorrow morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to get out this fall. Well, yeah, I'm well, Lucy's we, two mil by this point. <laughs> <laughs> we've, um, we've, I've, I've uh, kicked up a couple coveys of uh, young grouse, uh, you know, and mom uh, tramping around Big Creek. Uh, we've got lots of woodcock, lots of local oh, woodcock. That's so, great. That's so, great. Uh, so I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, being able to, you know, get that done uh you know oh, yeah. a few times so yeah. and you've had a, a chance to hunt with al stewart who's the dnr uh yeah. king on upland game birds uh he's he's yeah. quite a guy isn't he he's retired you know he's uh, he, he has i didn't realize that yeah. he did retire mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah so he'll be yeah. hunting every day yeah. this year yeah he'll be hunting uh he'll be hunting every day and uh you don't you don't want to you don't want to uh, going to a cover behind Al. No, no. <laughs> he's got, got great dogs, and he's a great shot. Yep, so. both of those things. Yeah. yeah. Well, this has been fun, John. Uh, Rex, thank you so much. It's been a delight. Uh... Well, that was pretty fun. Nice twist on our theme this year. Glenn and I will be back next week with another wonderful episode, and we'll look forward to speaking with you then. Until then, be safe and mind your back cast. <laughs>